What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 106. It is a Monday rundown on a Wednesday. Get over it, okay? Sean and I are busy men. I'm a CEO. Sean is a, uh, I don't know what he is, but whatever. Um, Today, we jumped right in. We talked about the Mets and how hot they are, and if we think they're going to make the playoffs following that, we gushed over a great Yankee season and how happy we are with it, no matter the injuries. After that, we previewed the Jets and the Giants week one of the NFL preseason, so that should be exciting. The game is being played tomorrow evening. Following that, we talked about the two holdouts, that being Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon, and then we wrapped up the podcast with some pop culture. We went all over the place today. We talked podcasts, we talked television, we talked TV, we talked mental health, we talked politics. So if you don't want to listen to any of that, just skip to the end because we do talk a little bit of politics as well as a little bit of uh, mental health, but I thought it was a really good talk from Sean and I. We will be back next week with a Monday rundown at some point during the week. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy the pod. Ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 106 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We are back for a Monday rundown on a Wednesday. That's fine. A couple days late. You guys will live. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, you're getting great content, so it's fine. Tom, what's up, brother? What's going on, man? Just a little teaser coming out this Friday. We will have a sorry short of our QB tiers. It was kind of short. It was not short. All transparency, we recorded it before this one because I was excited to do that because I you were Sean giddy. I, you were giddy. I was. It was. Sean came up with the idea. Um, I'm very bright. Um, and uh, I was excited about it because I just wanted to chop it up a little bit. And I knew. I saw yours obviously before me uh, before because I went based off your um, your rankings and whatever. Just so we we could kind of have somewhat of the same. But I was excited because I knew we were going to be in a lot of disagreements. Yeah, that's always surrounded what makes it by good. one guy. I'm not going to give any hints except this. Mouth breather. That's all I'm going to say. You're such a loser. You're <laughs> such a piece of shit. All right. Speaking of mouth breathers. All right. Let's lead this podcast off by talking about the hottest New York baseball team. And amazingly, despite on their way right now to winning eight in a row, it's not the New York Yankees. It's the New York fucking Mets. Now, last week, we welcomed Mike Phillips of the Just End the Suffering podcast on and we had quite the discussion about the Mets, about the Stroman trade, about what that meant for them going for the rest of the season and, and what it meant for their future. And listen, ever since then, all they've done is win. They have now won 13 of 14. They're the hottest team in baseball. They're currently now just a game out of the uh, second wild card. Their rotation and their lineup are clicking on all cylinders. They're scoring a boatload of runs. Their starting pitching is on lockdown. But the question is, how much longer is this going to be sustainable? And, you know, the thing about the Major League Baseball season, I'll, I'll, I'll say this before, you know, get your point on it. It's such a fucking marathon, dude. You know that, right? Like, I mean, you're probably never as high as your highs, and you're probably never as low as your lows. Aside from the 98 Yankees, like, when are you ever that great all the time? I mean, you're going to go through slumps, but you picked the Mets to be a playoff team, didn't you? I said they were going to be I right did. there, and I, you know, applauded all of the offseason moves they made when they made them. But listen, they're doing this against awful teams, absolutely awful teams. Now, kudos to them for beating those awful teams. A, a team that's in playoff contention should do that. They kicked the shit out of the White Sox. They kicked the shit out of the Pirates for two straight weekends, and now they're they just swept the Marlins for four games in three days. That's really hard to do, but but good for them. But again, they're setting up for a week where they're going to play Atlanta and Washington, two teams directly involved. And I've said this, talent-wise, they're on par with, I think, the Brewers and the Nationals and the Phillies, just based off of how the rest of this past season has gone. San Francisco, too, right? Because none of those teams, I picked the Brewers to be a World Series team. They're not there. They're nowhere close. Pitching's not there. Not at all. So... 
the way that this season is shaped out, I, I think that this is pretty much a situation where you look and say, yeah, it's fair game. But they are still the Mets. We've seen this team blow leads in 07 and 08. We've seen them fall apart and underachieve with really good teams. And I know the roster is not the same, and I get that. But don't you feel like it's just going to regress to the means where this is a team that just doesn't know how to handle success culturally? Absolutely. And that's my opinion. It's It doesn't even have anything to do with the team that's on paper or how they match up against their rivals that they're competing against. I just feel like at the end of the day, this is just going to be a Mets situation that's very Metsy. Where do you where do you feel uh, with the way that they've been playing, obviously, and also is this sustainable or no? I think um, I'm not willing to rescind what we said to Mike Phillips last week on the podcast. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Do you? No, I continue okay. to say no. Okay, we both continue to say no. I figured we'd be on the same page with that. Brody, Wagonen, Brody Van Wagenen looks like a genius right now, but I think in a few weeks he won't because, as you said, I'm looking at their schedule right now. They've got Washington for a three-game set. One of those games is Hawaiian Shirt Day, in case you're interested. Very exciting. Heading over to City Field. like the office space thing. Don't forget, uh, next Friday is Hawaiian <laughs> Shirt Day. Yes. So you know if you want to go ahead and wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. Free Shirt Friday as well. That's pretty interesting. And now you put it into clarity for me. I guess you wear a Hawaiian shirt that day. I thought you were going to get a Hawaiian no, shirt. No, I think they get it. Oh, you get it. Oh, yeah, that's it's cool. Like a, it's like a shitty What do you think? Should we like go? A... No. Okay. All right, never mind then. That was a dumb idea. Stupid idea on my part. I'm sorry I brought it up. Um, but again, looking back to the point, they're looking at their schedule. They've been beating up on shitty teams. You got Washington, who I think you're evenly matched with. Scherzer's out, so you're not going to be facing him. And he had a setback with his back. But again... I think what? You'll probably take one of three against Washington. Maybe two. You're not sweeping there. Then you go down to Atlanta. You face a Kansas City team. If you don't sweep there, that's a disappointment in my opinion, and they're not going to sweep. But then looking ahead to the even the rest of their schedule in August, you got three against Cleveland. They're the number one team for the wild card, and they're nipping at the Twins' heels for that, for that AL Central division. That's a sweep. And then you got another three-game set against Atlanta following up the other one. Then you face Chicago and you face Philly to finish off August. Looking ahead to September, the schedule doesn't get much easier there either. You're facing Philly, the Nationals, Philly. Then you have Arizona. That you should take half of the series. It's a four-game set. Then you go in and you face the Dodgers. Okay, You're at home, but that's a fucking sweep. Okay, the Dodgers are going to sweep you guys because I think they're going to be a hole there. Then they're going to be in a hole there. Then you're going to go out to Colorado. You're probably going to lose two or three there. That team's still pretty talented, and they play really well at home. Cincinnati, I think they should take two or three. They're going to beat Miami, probably three out of four. But then you finish off the season against Atlanta, and I think these games are probably going to matter for these Mets, and I think that they're going to miss the playoffs because of those series against Atlanta. You still have what looks to me like about 12 games left against Atlanta. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs based off that. I think that they're just they just hit the schedule at the right time and they're beating teams that they should. Yeah, and listen, you you did a great job detailing the whole schedule and, and listen, I I think that you know, if you want to just look at it from a pure talent standpoint, I think that when the Mets are at their best, they can even rival the Braves and the Rockies and the Dodgers and teams of that ilk because they can start starting pitch with anybody. Their lineup seems to be clicking, especially with the way, I mean, Alonzo is about to beat Bellinger's record in August from two years ago, and he's probably going to eclipse Judge, especially at this pace. Jeez. And, um, you know, McNeil's crushing the ball. Conforto's crushing the ball. Cano's out, but... I like to see that with Frazier. Frazier's starting to hit, and, you know... Diaz is still a basket case, but Lugo has been awesome out of the pen. So Lugo is their only. They really asset need. Right I, now. And again, my my concern still lies in the bullpen. I can see so many games where Stroman pitches well, Degrom, Syndergaard, Mats, and Wheeler pitch real well into seven innings, and, and then the bullpen coughs it up again. And again, and and, and you know, my whole opinion as to why they're going to lose, it's not something that analytics can you know, quantify and and decide, you know, this isn't pumping out of a machine here. I, I just, I look at this team and I know the feel around this team and they just seem like they don't ever know how to be good. And I can just see them teasing their fan base, getting really close 
And then just as they're about to crack through, something catastrophic happens. And that just seems to be the way that the Mets are run. And um, it, it's really as simple as that. I, I do believe that they're a very talented team. That's why I said from the get-go I liked all the moves they made. You picked them to be a playoff team. But you regressed to your means. I think I forgot that they were the Mets. I mean, remember the Boston Red Sox prior to this past week of horror for them, we're gaining a lot of momentum. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays, with the exception of playing the Yankees, they're a really good team. But you regress to your means eventually. That's what the baseball season is. It's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The best teams always even out, and everything else kind of falls into place. And the New York Mets are, in my opinion, not one of the... F- five best teams or six best teams in the National League. So as a result, I still feel like they're going to miss the playoffs. Do they have a chance? Of course, they're a game back at the second wild card. Anything can happen. But as hot as they are now, they have also been equally as cold through parts of this season and much more so that than this. So we'll see what happens. I'm not taking back what I said. Nope, they're going to miss the If playoffs. you're Met fans, just absolutely enjoy it. And this is not Yankee boys bashing the Mets. This is just, I'm it's looking realism. at it from a pragmatic standpoint. The New York Mets are a team that struggle with being good. They're riding the highs right now against really poor and inferior competition. I want to see them prove it. Now, if they take two of three against Washington, if they take two of three or sweep the Braves, all right, I'm ready to eat some crow, and I'm ready to see what happens. But I'm not ready to do it yet just because they kicked the shit out of the Pirates for two straight weekends, the White Sox, and the Marlins. I got to see a little bit more. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to a team that we thought last week the sky was falling. They lost, what was it, three Three or four four to the Red Sox. And this Yankees team, they bat a lot of injury, but you know what? They have the best record in the AL right now. Them and the Indians are – the Indians, the – the Houston Astros are neck and neck. I think they have the same amount of wins, but the Yankees got them in the loss column. That doesn't really matter. Um, and they are second to only. Oh no! Actually, it does. The loss the the loss column matters more. Absolutely. Well, at the end of the day, they're still going right. to play the same amount of games at the end of the season. So let's just hope the Yankees end up having more wins. Um, the Dodgers are going to have the best record in baseball. I'm pretty confident of that. Um, the Yankees are 45-18 and 18 at home, I believe, Kenny Singleton said Something like that. It's that. crazy. Yeah. So that's the only team that has a better record at home is the Los Angeles Dodgers, so I think home field is clearly pretty important. This team swept the Red Sox when they came back to Yankee Stadium, and they looked incredible. Um, and, I mean, we don't really have to talk about it much. They're, they're spanking Baltimore right now. It's basically a triple-A team versus a triple-A team, and the Yankees are they have a better triple-A team clearly too. This team is going out there with no-name players. Mike Talkman had a huge night last night. Dude, uh, he is the leading player hits. in August in the AL in home runs and average. It's ridiculous. Huge hits last night, not to mention that he robbed a home run. DJ LeMahieu continues to absolutely rake. He is a throwback player that is not looking to hit home runs. He's a lot of fun to watch. An incredible defensive player. And the rest of the team, quite honestly, every other player that... A, a normal Yankees fan, not like us, that are really into the team, can probably name, is on the fucking IL. It's incredible. I mean, I texted yesterday. I was like, who the hell is Mike Ford? Who the hell is this guy, the, the guy playing second base last night as Glaber yeah, came Bray out Vic of the Valera, game? yeah. Uh, these guys, the guy who was pitching yesterday after um, after Holder came out. Tarpley. Yep. Tarpley. I mean, I know who he is, but what the fuck? Like... But this team just continues to rattle off wins. And I know it's against Baltimore, but again, they just swept the Red Sox. And, and this is a great season. ALCS or bust? Yeah, I think that there's a couple things. Obviously, the feel-good stories. I mean, Talkman's becoming a legitimately good player before our eyes. He's just the next guy that the Not Yankees mention, brought in. Not to mention, Frazier is having an incredible run in AAA. Of course. And I think the Yankees are keeping him down there because they want to keep him humble. And also, they know that they don't need to see anything more from him. They know he's a major league player. I think they need to see more from Talkman, and they're getting it. A couple more injuries that really hurt, though. Encarnacion, fractured wrist, out probably till September, if not into the playoffs. You have Hicks with an elbow, flexor tendon strain. 
God knows how long that keeps him out. That's what did they sign him to a seven year deal? Yep. I know it was only ten million dollars a year, I believe. Yeah. But it's looking tough. Yeah, and again, I think that that's you know we saw that series in Minnesota when he you know hit those home runs and then also made that incredible diving catch to win the game, and that's what they say. They say when you're healthy, we'll take whatever stint you spend on the DL because when you come back and you're playing, you're a legitimate power threat from both sides of the plate who walks a ton and plays a gold glove center field. I think Talkman honestly showing this is a guy who he can come off the bench. He cannot play for, for five straight games and then play impact defense and offense. He might be a super utility outfielder. Absolutely. I think so that that's what they're hoping for. Or he builds up even more value where you could flip him in the off season. So either way, but you lose Encarnacion, you lose Hicks Torres has had two scares, but he seems fine. He's going to travel to Toronto, and he'll be okay. Voight is we're up in limbo right now with his sports hernia. He's he might have to get surgery. He might have to get surgery, which could jeopardize the rest of his season. So it really is Greg Bird alive? No. So this, Where is he? <laughs> this, he's not doing baseball activities due to his plantar fasciitis. So it's a goddamn shame. It is. So, but again, this next man up rallying cry has been this motto that this Yankee team has really ran with. I mean, you have Gio or Shella who has two more home runs tonight. The guy is absolutely ridiculous. He's also one of the toughest sons of bitches I've ever seen because fouling those two pitches off his leg the other night. yeah. Yeah. I mean, he missed two days, but he comes back tonight, hits two home runs. Didi's on fire. Obviously, you talked about LeMayhew. Uh, Valeria's had a couple of big hits. Mike Ford's had some big hits. He comes in as now their first baseman. Uh, Cameron Mabin went deep the other night. Gardner's on a tear. He's having his best year in about three or four years. I'll give him a nice contract somewhere else. Absolutely. And, and I think that this is, again, the starting pitching continues to be a problem, but we'll address that when we get there, right? Right now, everything is coming up daisies for the Yankees. They're kicking the shit out of the Orioles, which they should, even with their bad and compromised lineup. Wake me in October. I mean, this team is tremendous. Now, all I will say, and we'll talk about this later on as the weeks progress, and you know, obviously as we start getting into football and everything, it's it's going to kind of dissipate. But can we just please? I, I don't want to hear any of this fucking narrative about how the Yankees don't miss their regulars. The Yankees are not a better team without John Carlos Stanton. They're not a better team without Encarnacion or Hicks or Voit. They're not a better team without any of those guys, Severino or Batances. They're kicking the shit out of really inferior competition, which allows guys like Talkman to have huge weeks and Urshela to have huge weeks. And, you know, guys like Mike Ford and Valeria and guys of that nature to, to play really well. Cameron Mabin, you know, in addition. the If the Yankees are going to win, they need their starting pitching to be good, not great. They need their bullpen to be explosive. And they need Giancarlo Stanton, Encarnacion, Hicks, all those guys back in the lineup because those guys are bona fide, legitimate, really good major league players. And I feel the same way now as we felt kind of back in, you know, late April, May. Enjoy this run. Have fun rooting for these blue collar guys that have nothing to lose. But the, you are not winning a World Series with Gio Urshela hitting third and Mike Ford hitting sixth. You know, it's just not going to happen. Enjoy it while you can. They have a four-game set in Toronto for the weekend, and then they're playing Baltimore for four games in three days before Cleveland comes in. And then they head out west for Oakland, Los Angeles, Dodgers, a little interleague, and then Seattle. So they're going to have a little bit of a gauntlet coming up. Are they doing Subway Series this year? They Did already they, have. They played the Mets this year? Yeah, they, they had that double header against the Mets in yes, New York yes, in yes. Yankee Stadium because one of the games was rained out. And then July 2nd and 3rd, I think it was, at City Field um, where they split. But, yeah, it's kind of weird because they do these two two-game series and they're split up. Like, they're not anywhere close. I kind of liked when they did – the four game set two in New, two in the Bronx two in two in Queens or you know you had the three game sets split up you know across a, a weekend or two but yeah it's kind of forgettable because the Mets were really bad at the time and it was the Yankees just kept going but yeah so we'll see what happens when they go out west but right now just enjoy it because there's a lot of excuses for this team to suck and and they are just 
they have. I think they've just adopted this next man up motto because it's been their rallying cry the entire season. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch, but let's not get carried away and think that these guys are going to carry them to a championship because they won't. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, Giancarlo, I worry about because I feel like he's one big swing away from an injury every single time. But of course, you want him on the field. You want all these guys on the field. Yeah, and again, it's you know, just nice to that know. way too. And, yeah, it's oh, just nice yeah. to know that these guys might be able to perform decently if one of one of these guys. You can't afford if more than one of these guys go down in the playoffs. But if one of these guys goes down, if you insert a Talkman in there or, or a Frazier when he comes up because yeah, he or will Urshela, be on the roster, you feel good. Or Ishella, I mean, you feel a lot better than I bet you every other team in baseball does about their utility players. So all good things coming out of Yankee camp recently. I am very happy, and I do think we don't give the guy enough credit, I think, because um, we give all the credit to my sports father. I think that our guy, um, what the fuck? Why is his Aaron name? Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. Why can't I think of his name? Deserves, deserves a lot of credit. I don't know his name, but he's doing a great job. Deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. No, he does. He's win- He's manager of the year. You think? In the AL, yeah. Okay. I mean, how 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 could he not be? Maybe the Twins manager? No, dude. I mean, this. the Yankees have had 27 guys on their IL. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right. Good job by you, um, Aaron Boone. You're not my sports father, but maybe you're a distant uncle or something. All right. There let's talk some NFL football. Um, we haven't talked football. We talked a little bit, but only for bad things recently. Which is generally how it is in the summertime. Yes. Um. The Jets and the Giants play week one this year. Yeah, it's um, kind of weird, right? You see, yeah, you, you mentioned to me earlier, and I do remember that. It's usually week three, the the um, the most entertaining of all the preseason games. So let's talk about the Giants side first. What are you looking forward to? What do you want to see? First quarter is probably – I'll probably watch the entire game because I miss football, but the, I'll only watch intently the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, Eli will probably play a series. I don't need to see anything out of him. Um Jones, I don't know how much he plays, but I'm excited to watch him play because this is the first time as a Giants fan that I'm watching a quarterback other than Eli play with the intention of he's going to be hopefully the next guy for the next you know 10 to 15 years. So I'm absolutely looking forward to watching him play. I'm not going to read into anything that he does, whether he's really good or really bad, um, but I'm just excited to see him get out there. Um I want to see some of the wide receivers from the practice squad who are vying for jobs because Corey Coleman's out for the year and Golden Tate's probably going to be suspended for the first four games and Sterling Shepard's got the broken thumb. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these wide receivers and absolutely some of the new rookies in the secondary. Um, I mean, James Betcher's defense has done a facelift. He's finally getting his personnel in there and the guys that fit his scheme in there. That's what the whole purpose of their draft you know, their secondary heavy draft was. So I want to see Corey Ballantyne. I want to see DeAndre Baker. And I want to see what they do in coverage and, and get a new look for what our what our secondary is going to be. Um, you know, in week one, you don't expect any of these guys to play a whole lot. But it, like you said, man, it's football. It's the first time in a while. And let's see, uh, you know, I told you before we went on, I think a series out of Eli, a couple series out of Jones, and it's going to be a lot of Lalletta or Tanny. What are you looking for from the Jets side? I think we're getting a series out of Darnold at most. He played a ton last year, and he's obviously going to play, hopefully, every single snap this year if he can stay healthy. After that, I think we'll see a little bit of Trevor Simeon. I think he's definitely going to win the backup job this year. I think Josh McCowan still being on the team. He's a little bit more of a um, a coach, if you will. Um, and then we'll probably see – I don't even think Josh McCowan's going to play a snap. We'll probably see um, your boy – from the Giants Davis last Webb? year. Davis Webb, he'll probably play a majority of the snaps. Won't be watching them. I really want to watch all quarterbacks' continuity with the receiving corps. I don't know if Jamison Crowder is going to play in this game. I know he's a little dinged up, got a bit of an injury. Um, I don't even know if Le'Veon's going to run, but I just want to see what this offense is going to look like under an Adam Gase. I'm going to be watching more for the game plan just to see how it's differently. And then they got a Greg Williams as defensive coordinator, the Greg the Bounty Hunter on the other side. I want to see the schemes that they're going to use defensively. I don't see the big defensive players um, playing a hell of a lot either. Maybe Jamal Adams gets a series. Maybe Marcus May gets a series as well. I love those safeties out there. I want to see the corners. I want to see how they're going to fight. I, I want to see. Um, I want to see how they cover. 
And the uh, defensive line, I just want to see generate a little bit of pressure with my guy Quentin Williams down there in the middle as well as Leonard Williams as well. The Williams brothers, as I'll call them this year. I like that. And then most importantly of all, I, I just want to see a unit of an offensive line for at least the first couple series while you gotta they play. you got to love that Ryan Khalil signing, trade. bringing him back. No, signing. I mean, they brought him out of uh, retirement. Oh, yeah. I like that one. And they also made a trade for a starter from the Baltimore Ravens for a conditional seventh-round pick. Uh, he started the last couple years, I believe. So I just want to see continuity and just do a good job blocking the fucking team because you're you're really going to need that this year with Le'Veon as well as Darnold. So if Darnold isn't getting murdered, I think that'll cure or at least curb a little bit of that fumbleitis. And, I mean, Le'Veon, there's nobody in the world that reads a block better than Le'Veon. No. So I, I just want to see. They're not going to play that much, but I just want to see a good unit out there because offensive line, you could have a superstar one-off offensive lineman, but if they're not a good unit, you're going to see these guys get destroyed. I just want to see them all work together. That's what I'm really excited about seeing. Yeah, and I think you know you're you're hoping to see that grow throughout the course of the preseason and into week one. All right, in the nature of and this is fun a sorry of, short. Of this ju- turned into the sorry of, short of, of my Jets friend. Giants meeting each other for week one of the preseason. Let's do a little comparison between the teams at positions. We'll start at quarterback. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with right now. I'm gonna go with Darnold. Thank you, um, Sean. I I think that you know again. I think that he's going to have the better team around him, but also he's the younger, more mobile version. And I don't know how long Eli and the giants are going to go. I mean, if the giants are a really bad team, Eli's not going to last that long. You know, Darnold's the future of that team. Um, you know, they could both win the same amount of games, but there could be a totally different feel. Mm-hmm. And just as a result, you know, if Eli wins seven games and Darnold wins seven games, there's a lot different feel between those seven games, one uh, on one side than the other. So I'm, I'm going to say in the nature of just now and going forward in the totality of the situation, I will say I will give the nod to Sam Darnold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll go running back next and – you know, there's not too many guys in this league I would take over a Le'Veon Bell, but a one Saquon. of them is shaky. Shaky. Shaquan Shake, Barkley. That's Saquon. I, I know it is. It's year two. I know it is. But that's my guy, and he's best running back I feel back like you football. made the mistake once, and you just tried to play it off, and you just had to run with it. I make plenty of name mistakes. <laughs> that's a cool nickname, bro. There you go. Uh, I, I would yeah, tell you Barkley is mistake, Barkley is absolutely the guy. Barkley. You want. So you go wide receiver corpse. I am going to take the Jets over the Giants as currently constituted, because the Giants are banged up as fuck, and the Jets are just a little bit less banged up. I yeah, I agree with you, and it sucks because I don't feel great about the Jets wide receivers. Me either. I feel I better mean, about I them like, than I did last year. I but. like Anunwa. I like Crowder. Um, obviously Robbie Anderson's kind of a very poor man's. Deshaun Jackson, I like that. And I just think those three guys are better than anything the Giants have well, right now. Well, especially because Shepherd Corey Coleman's out. out for the season. It seems like Shepard's fine. I, he's expected to play week one. He's still practicing and making plays on the practice field. But Golden Tate's suspension is bad. I mean, the Giants could really suck in heading into week four. Or week five, rather, after four weeks of season could be basically over nobody. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give the nod to the Jets reluctantly, but at Tight least end. they have bodies. Tight end. Uh, if we're just going current, we're just going strictly off skill position and not blocking. Give me the Giants. Evan Ingram is not. Jets don't have anything close. No, Evan Ingram. I want to see him start that solidify himself this year. Actually, stay healthy and make big plays. But you're right. From a talent perspective, they also have Red Ellison, who is a he's just a pro. You know, he can catch the ball and he blocks well. So yeah, definitely the Giants tight ends. Defensively, overall, I'm going to go with the Jets. Oh yes. Yes, I mean, I feel... I don't want to go position by position because we could turn this no, pod into I, a two-parter. Yeah. But I, I would take the Jets over the Giants. I'll take the Jets. Their safeties are tremendous. I do have questions about their corners, but I have questions about the Giants' corners too. I'm excited about the Giants' corners with the exception of Jack Rabbit, but they're rookies, so we'll see. Um, obviously, the Jets' linebackers, they bring in C.J. Mosley. I feel I think good Jack about Rabbit that. Jack Rabbit has a good year this year. No, I do too. Um, but, you know, I feel... I feel Better about the Giants' defense this year than I have in a long time because they did a complete overhaul. Uh, but the thing I is, think Jabril Peppers is going to be real good. I think the Giants can be probably. I think at the end of the year, the Giants will probably be like right in the middle, like number fifteen to seventeen. Yep. I think the Jets ought to be a top ten, definitely a top five. Hopefully. And again, I think Quinn and Williams puts you over that edge because Absolutely. he finally brings some stability. But I do like the Giants. You know, Dexter Lawrence. 
I think he's a more athletic version of Snacks that can get after the quarterback like Snacks never could. I feel good about the Giants defense, but not as good as I feel about the Jets. How about from the offensive line perspective? Offensive line. I think this is a toss-up. I think they both have a lot of questions. I think they do as well. I would probably lean towards the Giants because they're returning a majority of their guys, and they got and they brought in Zeitler too, and they got Flowers out of there. Yeah, and that was the most important thing. He was in. He was more than a turnstile. He was. They might as well have played with one less offensive lineman. Yeah, no, they might have been better off. It would have confused the team, the other team at least. Right. Yeah, a little, little, uh, a little masking right there. I mean, I think truly, I would tie them up because I would tie it up too. I, I think you know. If you're a Jet fan, you you could tell me the Jets are the better team and convince me there. If you're a Giant yeah. fan, you could tell you uh, could yeah. convince me there. But yeah, I think they both have so many question marks. And then let's finally finish off with special teams. I take the Giants because they have too. they have um, Rosas was well. I was going to say Rosas was a Pro Bowl kicker last year too. He was quite good. Yes, I'm going to take the Giants for that reason and because. I don't even know who the Jets kick return guy might be this year. I think there's a few guys in camp that they're interested in, but the Giants already know it's at least for Ponce, it's going to be Jabril. Yeah. I mean, Corey Coleman hurts because he was really good as a kick returner last year when they inserted him in that role. But finally they have a guy you can feel good about on punt return. I mean, Jabril Peppers, what he did when he was at Michigan was, was crazy. And he showed flashes of that returning punts for, for Cleveland. So yeah, finally they, they have some electricity in that punt return game. So, yeah, I'll say the Giants, too. Either way, I think both teams are pretty even. I think both teams are sitting around. I mean, we'll do our official predictions in a few weeks, but mm-hmm. I think both teams are sitting around seven wins, six, seven, eight wins. I hope more. I'm probably going to predict more but, for the Jets. But but do, you, but do you think that that's unfair? No, 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 questions? no, no, yeah. no, not at all, not at all. Um, I would say we could make a wager on this game, but being that the Giants and Jets play in the actual regular season when it when it actually oh, matters, that's what we're going for. We'll keep the wager for that. Other years, maybe we do one, but the Jets play the Giants this year once or twice. Well, they always play once. No, in the regular season, they only play once. Of right? course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only play a team once. Aside from your division rival. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Jeez, come on. You're all geared up for football. You forget how the rules work? <laughs> all right, you're finally, right. let's finish up. I want to get your takes, my man, on Elliott and Gordon's holding holdouts. Just for the record, I think that the Le'Veon running back, you know, Le'Veon's holdout last year really set the line of demarcation for running backs. Running back holdouts are so tricky because teams really love running backs, but they also don't value them all that high after they either draft them or they, or they have them for a little bit. Their shelf lives are incredibly short, which is why I always say Saquon was a mistake by the Giants. No matter how good he is, it's going to be for a short period of time. And if you don't have a quarterback or you don't have a team that's ready to win, it's a it's a wasted commodity. I think especially in Elliott's case, the Cowboys are about as reliant on his success as any team is with a running back. Usually it's the other way around. But Prescott needs Elliott. Cooper needs Elliott. He's, they still have a great offensive line. If they don't have Elliott running out of that backfield in week one, I think this team is is nowhere near where they should be. I agree with you. What that. do you get your takes on? Let's start with Elliott first and then uh, Melvin Gordon out there in L.A. So I think that although it's stupid because he's got two years left on his deal, I can understand why he's holding out. And I think that he's going to win because I think that Ezekiel Elliott has a lot more leverage than Melvin Gordon. One, he's younger. He's got less tread on the tire. Not to mention he does not have all of the ACL pass of a Melvin Gordon, as well as the fact that the Cowboys offense goes as Ezekiel Elliott goes, and he's the second best running back in football overall behind um, my guy Shake. Uh, so I think that I think he's more impactful though because every run that Zeke has is is forward and it, and like if you yeah, watch Shea can get a few that are negative because he's trying to make yeah he has maybe. more big play we'll potential see, we'll see because maybe Shea cleans that up this but year. like how many times does Dallas have like third and three third and, and it's four? always the first I think time. that matters you I, know oh you? absolutely I think Ezekiel Elliott again. Part of it has to do with the O-line, but that's Elliott. He's always pushing forward. I never see him get tackled in the backfield. So, In my opinion, second best running back in football. He has a lot more leverage than Melvin Gordon, not to mention the fact that um, the Cowboys the Cowboys backup running backs, be it Alfred Morris and another guy that his name deceives me, is not even close to what the Chargers have in Justin Jackson as well as um, Austin Eckler, who played in the playoffs last year when Melvin Gordon was out, and they were incredible. So I think that he has a lot more leverage, even though 
He's on a two-year deal. I think that gets done. I understand why he's doing it. I don't agree and or disagree with it. Um, but I think he gets. I think he gets. Um, I think he gets signed before the season begins. As for Melvin Gordon, he's a top probably eight running back in the NFL. He's a great pass catcher. He's a, he's an every-down back. But he's got a little more tread on the tires. He's got a bit of an injury history, as well as the fact that I just said there's two running backs behind him that are very capable, and they can pretty much make up for Melvin Gordon's numbers with the combination of the two. So I think that the Chargers may trade him if there is if there is a partner, um, a partner that I would think would would match up really well would be the Kansas City Chiefs, but. I mean, Damian Williams was pretty fucking good for the Chiefs last year when Kareem Hunt was out. So, I um, I think he gets traded. Don't ask me to predict who too, but I just don't think the value is there for Melvin Gordon as much as it is for Ezekiel Elliott. They're just two different players, and Ezekiel Elliott is just a lot better. Yeah, I, I think that this speaks to a bigger question. And again, I think I think both get signed Elliott first because. As you mentioned, the Cowboys are more reliant on him and for their overall success. The Chargers can probably play hardball with Gordon into the season. The Char- right? I don't think the Chargers think they need him, period. Yeah, I think they'd like him, but I don't of think course, they need of him. Of course, yeah. But um, I think this just speaks to a bigger question about the running back position in today's league where you know it's still a fantasy holder's dream. To, to have a, a top-tier running back, especially the all-purpose backs. I mean, you look at a Gordon, you said he's he's great catching the ball out of the backfield. A lot of the top running backs are Zeke that is way. Zeke as well. Zeke is an incredible receiver. I was going to say, he's, very, he's also great at blocking. Um, Second best back in the league, man. There's a reason for that. No, I, he I, might even be the best. Listen, Zeke is tremendous, uh, and that's why I think a deal is going to get done, especially for him. I think he, he gets his deal done first prior to Gordon because just of – I also How think necessary it has to do with he the is to the Cowboys' Jones success. Desperately wants to win a Super Bowl. I mean, the guy's getting up there in years. Well, that's the thing, and it's weird for Jerry, right? Because he likes to win everything. But it's like, would you rather win, put yourself in a position to win a Super Bowl, or win a contract negotiation, win a stupid standoff? Right. So I think that you know, you and I are clearly in agreement. But if Zeke. they do sign him, I think this sets a precedent for players going forward. Because again, Le'Veon set out, but it was a franchise tag thing. It was a one-year deal. The same thing with Melvin Gordon. I believe he's a free agent after this season. Zika, oh, it's got a year left after this. So it's going to be really interesting. See, I don't think... But I think this I think this is held to guys of his ilk. I don't think it goes for everybody in the league. I, I'm glad you said that because I don't think this sets a precedent at all. I think each situation is going is totally different. I think each running back in the situation that they're in is totally different. If Elliott was on, I don't know, the Jacksonville Jaguars he wouldn't have a leg to stand on. But because yeah. he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, a team that's expected to contend in an NFC East that's pretty open with the uncertainty of Carson Wentz and obviously the Giants' problems and Redskins' problems, this is a team that won a playoff game last year and, and they're expected to contend. If you if you have him behind that offensive line, that's still really good. They're not the best in the league anymore, but they're still right up there. But they're not going to be that way forever. And... Elliott's entire game could change if you put him behind a compromised offensive line. Uh-huh. So it is imperative Not to mention, I that think, they get that deal done. I think if you look at the the um, recent history of signing running backs early, I mean, I can understand why the Cowboys would be hesitant to do it because the last two running backs that were signed before their rookie deals were over was Devontae Freeman and Todd Gurley. Now, yeah. Todd Gurley's been amazing. Well, Don't I think, get me wrong. I think the Gurley, but Todd Gurley's got fucking arthritis in his knee. I think the he may Gur- never be the same. I think the Gurley one hurt them the most, and there were a lot of executives in the league who who looked at the Rams signing him and were like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Because this is now gonna this is now setting the bar for what running backs of his caliber are going to demand and expect to get, and that's a problem. Because well, I don't think so because. That you may be able to look at that as a failed experiment because he's hurt. Yeah, but That's again, I think it's I think it, nah, but I think it's circumstantial because at the time of the deal, it's all circumstantial. He right? wasn't hurt. I think it's still. But that's the thing, right? The running back position is so. At, if you look at another young running back that comes to a team and says, like, you look at a Joe Mixon, 
Great running back. I think he's probably a top 10 running back in the NFL. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. If he goes to Cincinnati, I don't think that he's going to be able to get a deal like Elliott. No, and, and again, I think that's the problem, right? Because when you talk about the running back position, it, they, it is so dependent on other factors of that team being successful and in a passing league now. You have to be multi-purpose, and you have to set yourself beyond the rest of your contemporaries. And there's not a lot of running backs that do that. They're kind of a dime a dozen. I mean, look at Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell has been one of the best running backs in the league, a fantasy holder's dream for years. And I know they didn't make the playoffs this year, but do you really think that was direct effect of their, of Le'Veon Bell missing time? No. James Conner was an animal. James I think Conner was like a top five running back. And that's in the my thing. I mean, look statistics. at what look at what Baltimore was a couple of years ago when they brought in an Alex Collins off the scrap heap, and the guy was a top you know seven rusher in the league. Like you don't need to have great running backs if you have the ones who are cut above. Dude, every single year we can go back, and I could we could probably name double digit running backs that made an impact during some point of the season that were either undrafted or drafted in the late round. Totally agree. And that's why I think teams, you know, maybe I think Elliott and the Cowboys are caught in the perfect storm where he needs the Cowboys and the Cowboys need them and they both know it and a deal's going to get like done. Sounds like a perfect marriage. But Gordon with with Los Angeles, I don't know. That that might not get done. I mean, I'm to- I was wrong all last year about Le'Veon. I said when push comes to shove this deal is getting done. If not by the end of the preseason, early into the season, at least by week eight, at least by midseason, because they need him, and it never happened. And absolutely, well, Gordon. The only problem with that, and the only thing, and he's a Jet now, so I can't talk too much shit. But the only thing I will fault Le'Veon for that I have to say respect to both Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott was on multiple occasions, including the day before the season, and in an interview right before the bye week. He said he was coming. He said he was going to play. Right. These guys have both blatantly said, I am not playing until yeah, we're I not sign coming. a deal. Yeah. And listen, to be honest, if I'm Zeke and I can chill in Cabo and train there, I might do that for yeah, a while. I'd but, love to see this facility. Oh, absolutely. But listen, I, I think that when push comes to shove, both deals get done. Zeke first. But the running back position is is really, it, it's, a, it's a toxic situation in the NFL because... Teams know they need them, but teams also know they're super expendable and it's really on their terms. And I think one of the great examples is going to come up in another two years when Saquon Barkley is a year or two away from free agency. And he says to the Giants, I'm not playing without an extension. I know that's not his personality and he hasn't shown that yet. But listen, money's on the line, he, man. when money's on the line and running backs have this short shelf life and he knows that he is the engine that drives the New York Giants offense at that time it's going to be driven by daniel jones you 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 know the importance that you have to that Tula team slash Tyler, trevor lawrence relax so well, come on you wouldn't want those guys i don't know we gotta you, see what jones does you're punting on this you're punting on this past draft i'm telling you either way it could be that's not the point of hand the point of hand is the running back position is devalued more so now than it ever has been before. Forever, man. And that's and that's I think that all of these holdouts by running backs, they're not gonna win. They're not gonna win. I think Elliott is a is a He's special an situation He's an just because of where the Cowboys are as an organization. But yeah, you're right. He's an outlier. The other guys, like you said, you have an Austin Eckler. You're, if you're L.A., you say, fine. You know what, Melvin Gordon? We'd love to have you, but we don't need you. We're not paying you to be a, like a top two or three running back because you're not. And, you know, don't play. Have fun. Yep, or they'll trade him. Right. All right, so that pretty much wraps up this pie. You want to do a little pop culture before we get the hell out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so you've been itching to talk about it. You've been rubbing it in my face, so I'll give you the floor to start. Why don't you talk about what you've been watching lately, what you've been reading lately, what movies you've seen, whatever you want to talk about. The floor is yours. Cool. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you got to say, man. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Um, It is fucking awesome. It is not as crazily violent throughout the movie as a lot of other Tarantino movies. The ending is tremendous. It does not disappoint. What I really liked about it was it followed kind of the Inglorious Bastards template of 
revising history and seeing what could have been if, you know, the story involved throughout, you know, the historical timetable uh, was altered. And uh, that was really fun to watch. So it was definitely worth it. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. Go see it. Um, I think what made it really good was I was listening to this podcast series on the Parcast Network. It was all these different specials centered around the summer of 69. Um, It's the 50th anniversary of that crazy summer that, you know, was truly one of the most significant in our nation's history where everything kind of came to a boiling point. Um, Some of the most some of the most important scenarios and, and stories and, and figures were all going on at that time. So to get the stories behind those, the biographies, the, you know, inside scoops on everything was really cool to hear. So I was really plugged in on that for a few weeks. Um, trying to think what else right now. I mean, obviously sports, it takes up a lot of my time. Um, I'd like to get into a little bit more TV for music right now. Honestly, I'm kind of around the same where I was when we talked a couple weeks ago. Drake's new album? Yeah. You know, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I like it. I um, listen to it cover to cover. I always, I do that with a few specific What did you think? I thought it was interesting. Um, for me, it was one of those albums where, like, The Life of Pablo, I immediately heard that and was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. This is one of I those felt that way about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I was like, this is one of the most be- like musically brilliant albums I'd heard. This one is gonna I'm gonna have to listen like five times, and then I'll be like, oh, this is a banger, this is a banger, this is a banger. I don't think it's gonna win a Grammy, but it, it was interesting. He he like retooled a couple of old songs and stuff. Interesting album. Um Drake's a legend and he's put out more hits than pretty much any artist in the last like twenty years. But I, I I hate to say it, but I don't think this is his best work. I think his best work is still yet to come, hopefully. Um, still a good album. Where do you rank it in the top three Drake albums? Like, Where do you put your top three Drake albums right now? Um, the first one was probably Take Care. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then his two recent albums were probably I thought Scorpion two. was fire. Scorpion was amazing. Um what was the other one where he was sitting on the space needle? What the fuck was that called? Um, that one, that one, and this one are probably naked. Well, no, his earlier stuff was better than this too. So um, I probably put this at number like five. Yeah, it was still real good though. No, I mean, listen, there's a couple. T Swift's new album's a couple weeks away. I know Looking you're part of that. that. I'm excited for that as well. Um, you got anything else? Not Just really, sports? man. I mean, I I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, I, I definitely, after watching Once Upon a Time, there's a couple of Tarantino movies I want to rewatch. Um, I saw The Hateful Eight for the first time. That was one that had kind of slipped through the cracks. So um, I watched that a couple weeks ago. That that was fucking crazy. It was real good. Um, what was I, that one? The Hateful Eight. I'm trying to think of it. I, I it was the one like when the they're uh, poster. That was the one when they're in the um, the lodge. For a few for a few days, and all these different stories like blend together, and these characters are all all fucking mixed up in a bunch of shit, and it was it was pretty wild. It came out mm. in 2015. Um, Kurt Russell, Samuel L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I see it now. I see. So it. that was, it was a good like a Western one. kind of thing. Yeah, it took place in Wyoming mm. in the uh, like post Civil War. Um, I still put Pulp, you know, number one. I still put Django. Two and, and probably Inglorious Bastards three, uh, but I, I thought Once Upon a Time was awesome. Uh, so like I said, I was yeah, I was I was all in on the um, that Summer of '69 podcast series. Um, following a lot of politics right now, um, you know, trying to get myself educated on all the Democratic nominees. I mean, there's about you know, right now there's about seventy. So. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of a shit show. I don't feel incredibly great about any of them right now, but I still I am, am trying. I'm worried, man. I'm worried there's not going to be a strong enough candidate. No, and, and that's the fight. thing. I mean, I right, like same thing as last time. I'd like to. I'd like to say that the Democratic Party is going to elect somebody who is galvanizing enough to upset the apple cart, but I feel like they're just going to go with another retry. I mean. I, I loved Biden as VP because VP doesn't do a whole lot. But if he's associated with 
Obama, who so many people hated, that's just how people are going to look at him, regardless of what his policies are and what he says. Trump's going to eat him alive, too. I think so. And then, you know, you got a Bernie Sanders where it's like, if it didn't happen to this point, is it really going to happen now? Well, it's the same thing with Biden. Yeah. They're both like... I mean, Sanders is what, like eighty-three? He's old, man. And and Biden's seventy-five. And I gotta no, be honest, I mean, not I, to I'm say not, Trump's old too. I, I'm, I don't feel the burn. Although I agree with the, uh, some of his policies, and I like his outlook. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast this week, and well, I listened his, to that his thing today. Is suck for all of our children, but I wouldn't mind if he eliminated student loan debt for me. Yeah, exactly. And and I I listened to him, and and I definitely, you know, again, he has great intentions. I just don't think that a lot of what he wants to do can actually get done. It's not realistic. And, and that's the, and that's just a play. Right. I mean, I've got a lot of great ideas too, but that doesn't mean that there's a, di- like an idea man is fucking nothing. Right. Kamala, you implement it Kamala Harris probably is my number one to this point. Um, I like the staunch, you know, intensity of mayor Pete, you know, standing up to Trump that was good to hear, but again, I think I don't think I think he's actually, which is a shame. I think he's too progressive for where we currently are as as a society to to be elected. Here's and the other problem. I mean, I think it's going to come down to to Biden and 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 Sanders. I think that's just where we're going to be. It's a shame. And here's there's a few problems right now. I, first of all, I think the political parties should be reshuffled. I think the well, Republican and Democrat. I mean, I think. Uh, first of all, a huge thing of mine is that if you blindly go with your party, I think you're a fucking idiot. I'm registered as an independent because as I, I like to formulate my own opinions. As am I. And I knew you were too. You've told me in the past off the pod. The other problem is that I think it's going to become a Democratic Party versus Trump thing, and I think then Trump wins. It's not an I'm trying to achieve the presidency thing. It's an I'm trying to shit on Donald Trump thing. And that's where I think they lose. I think that they should probably focus on America and not on Trump. Well, and that is a massive problem. Yeah, I mean, they, they... And he wins, and it's like, I don't know if this guy's a genius or he's just really lucky, but all these moves that he's made, I mean, the fact that he's making it a a, a, a verse-me thing instead of, like, focusing on bettering the country, it's... Clearly, he stumbled into it, but it's genius. Well, a couple of things. I mean, the, the the Democratic Party has cannibalized itself to the point where instead of trying to bring about a candidate that had legitimate possibility and had the charisma and the trajectory, upward trajectory of, you know, just progressive nature and also, you know, the antithesis of the status quo like Obama was in 2008, this has been three years worth of trying to impeach. And that's a problem because you're not bettering your party. You're just trying to get him out. And clearly that's not happening. Goes back to the whole, you're too focused on the guy who's, he's already there. All right. So let's look ahead. So, uh, you know, the next step is, you know, you talk about, is he a genius? Is he whatever? He plays to his base like no president ever has before. And what's going to be very interesting is regardless of who wins the democratic nomination and goes up against Trump, Trump clearly has not helped all the working class people that he said he was going to help and who voted for him during the 2016 election because he's pumped more money into the upper middle class and the top, you know, 2% than than any president in a long time. So are those people finally going to wake up and say, yeah, he hasn't made our lives better? It's going to depend on the people who said it's a lesser of two evils and I guess we'll go with him because he's not a career politician. And I think it's going to come down again to who do you, who does the middle ground who's on the fence about the two candidates, where do they go? Because I think Trump has his base and he will always have his base. He said it years ago. I can go on a Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody dead and people will still love me. And he's 100% right. His base, you know, screaming, you know, send her back, send her back, all that shit. And him saying, you know, I can't control what they say. Those people love him. They're they're fueled by hate. They're fueled by racism. And they're fueled by divisiveness. Now, then, not every Trump. Uh, not everyone. I don't want to generalize it by saying that. But I know the exact type of person you're talking right. about. Right. Th- but what I'm saying is, is that those people... And there clearly have there You're are a lot about the of Charlottesville them. Charlottesville people. Yeah, there clearly are a lot of them. 
they will always vote for him. So then it's going to come down. It's a crazy world, man. It's going to come, really but it's going to come colors. down. It's going to come down to the middle ground. Or do they go back to him and see what he's done over the, you know, at that point in the four years, or are they going to go and say, you know what, we really do need a change because this is a shit show, and it's going to come down to that. I, I, I don't really feel great about Biden or Bernie, but I feel like it's going to be one of those two. I don't think Elizabeth Warren is going to do it. I don't think Kamala Harris is there. Mayor Pete is too progressive right now, even though I think he's awesome. We're not ready for it. So I've been following, you know, to answer. I don't think the problem is, I don't think that they, they have a strong enough candidate to win the presidency and their, their goal. It goes back to my point. Their goal is beat Trump instead of lead the fucking country and be progressive and lead the country into the 2020s. And that's, that's their, that's their biggest fucking problem. Yep. And to be honest, dude, like, you know, to tie it all back to the question you asked before of what I've really been focusing on the last few weeks with pop culture, you know, following that podcast series, I mean, the summer of 69 was, was crazy. And the lead up to that was fucking crazy is just far as, you know, racial divide and political upheaval and where we were as a society. And there are a lot of eerily similar circumstances right now. And you can make a case that, you know, you don't have the Manson family murders, but the amount of, you, the shootings, amount of shootings. I mean, you had El Paso and Ohio in the last week. Dude, it happened within eight hours of each other. So you can literally say that right now we are we are further apart from being a unified nation than we were 50 years ago, and it was pretty bad then. I don't know what to do. I'm not the guy to ask. I'm just the CEO of, of two you know small companies. But something's got to be done, and somebody smarter than you and I needs to figure this shit out. All right, so let's lighten it up a little bit more that we made our statements. What are you looking for from a pop culture standpoint during the so month of August? So we talked about Drake's album. I'm listening to... Um, Couple, couple more other, weeks in August. What are we looking forward couple to? Couple other artists. So recently what I've seen, I talked to you about Euphoria. I finished up that show. That show was probably the best show I've seen in the last few years. Wow. It was incredible. And it, in in my opinion, if you can stomach it, it's one of the best watches you'll ever see. The way it was narrated, the way it was acted, the way cinematically it was shot. I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, um, another thing I started watching was a show called The Loudest Voice. It's about Roger Ailes, the guy who ran Fox. That guy's a fuck. He's crazy. What um what platform is that on? Showtime. Okay. And uh, the other thing I was uh, the other thing I've been watching because I've only been reading golf books and nobody wants to hear about that. So I'm trying to get my game a little bit better in the mental state because it's a, it's a very mental sport. Um, I watched that documentary on HBO. And it made me pretty sad, that documentary, I Love You Now Die. Um, now, if you ask me my opinion, I think the, the girl is, um, and a lot of people said this already, is guilty by just being, just not being, not being sane. I, I think, in my opinion, a, a human being with the mental capacity of a normal human being would have reached out and should have reached out. And I think that she should be in a mental institution because that's just crazy. But the thing that pissed me off and I didn't watch till the end credits and I don't know what HBO was trying to do with this documentary, but there's, there's a large, a mental health is as at an all time high right now of a crisis. Suicide rates are up through the roof. And I understand if they want to play the blame game on the kid or they want to play the blame game on the girl. But what HBO didn't get across, and I was really disappointed, was the fact that an 18-year-old kid is dead because he killed himself. And they didn't get any points across about mental health. And as somebody who struggled with it, I just think that some of these shows and whatnot, especially that one, should be talking more about the fact of mental health and the problem in the world, as opposed to just saying, whose fault is it? And yeah. now I understand the premise and the plot of the documentary was to basically film that, but they had no mention of, this kid was really fucked up. And I, I don't know where the parents were, because I know if I was that bad, and, and I know that my mom already is up my ass, if I'm, in, if I'm not feeling right, and... and where the parents were and whatnot. And I mean, listen, if you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to, I don't check the email that often, but shoot us a DM. You could talk to you us. Know, you know what? Well, I check the DM all the time. Slide in and, and shame on HBO because they did not talk about mental health 
really at all. You know what's interesting? It was a very cold documentary. Yeah, you know what's interesting about what you just you know brought to attention was that's very similar to the kind of you know I guess you know criticism that 13 reasons why got too you know that was much more about the story and not really putting a, an emphasis on i can't remember if mental I health um it was based off the book they ended up doing two seasons of it so far on netflix i never watched it i didn't read the book but i understand the premise it was kind of a phenomenon over the last few years definitely heard of it but again it, it didn't really put a, pr- a, a premium on on mental health and i think one of the biggest reasons why is a lot of people don't get mental health because it's not treated as part of the, you know, healthcare system much, you know, like it should be. It's something that costs a lot of money. A lot of people who are going through, whether it be PTSD or having, well, not to mention kids go through it. It's, it's, you know, it's 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 not like like, breaking your arm and going to the doctor. It's hard to find and and hard to get good counseling. Well, it's that combined with, and I think this is an even more important reason is that, there's a stigma around it. Yeah. Like if you break your leg, it's like, Oh, that sucks. You broke your leg. But if you tell me you're struggling, not that I would judge you, but in society, the judgment is, Oh, there's, there's something wrong with you. Right. You're fucking crazy. Well, I think too, but is that's it, not the way it should be. Everybody struggles with, with depression and whatnot. At some point, I'm in their going lives. through this book right now, um, called the phenomenology of suicide. And it's, and it's a, it's a book compiled of papers written by psychiatrists, psychologists, and philosophers about the topic of suicide. And it really shines a light on what you mentioned, the, the stigma that's associated with it. Everybody considers it a tragedy. Whereas, you know, a lot of the final you know, points of emphasis by these, you know, scientists in the med- in the uh, mental health field and have studied this topic from, you know, head to foot have said, you know, it's it's the really only thing that these unfortunate, that these people want. Yeah, and that's, that they achieve. that's a, you know, not that and, suicide's and, and a terrible certain, thing. And but the, certainly, but I think the that tragedy is what nobody led up under, to it. Yeah, nobody understands it. And I think that that's the bigger problem. And I know we're getting super deep here, but, you know, it, people for the most part, when, if you're going to be a show like an HBO and you're going to do a documentary about now again, this. Let me just say this. I did not watch the credits. Okay. Because maybe they had a suicide hotline flash in there, but that's not my point. It should have been talked about right. during well, the documentary. Right. Well, you watch the series and and you watch the documentary rather, and, and for people who watch Thirteen Reasons Why and they got the series, it's. I think it's a topic that people don't quite understand because the the general population doesn't want to. They look at it as a tragedy. They wonder why somebody who seems so happy on the outskirts or people who you know are struggling with problems just. Can, they should be able to get through it and everything's fine. When in reality, it is one of the most difficult illnesses that anybody can deal with, both it's mentally and physically, and yeah. it's debilitating. So I think that if we're going to bring it back to pop culture and lighten this up a little bit as we close the podcast, people need to do a better job if you're going to approach such a heavy-hitting subject of making sure that the premium is on the people who are going to watch it and show, hey, whether you're dealing with this yourself or you're just on the you're just on the outside looking in, and it's a superficial interest of yours, please make sure that you're doing a good job to highlight the overarching problem and not just, you know, casually make a story around it because that's not how it is, and it never is. It's never how it has been, and it never is how it will be. And if anybody needs anybody to talk to, again, we're here. DM us on Twitter. You know what's really Sorry interesting? Sports. This this Sorry, thing got heavy. We, on we, we approached politics. We talked about mental illness. Yeah. We talked about whatever. We but we look never at where, talk but about politics. Don't you think that this is kind of crazy where pop culture is right now? Like, you ask, it's in the summer. We're watching sports. We're talking Jets, Giants, preseason week one. We're talking Yankees, Mets on fire. And we close the podcast with talking about what are your men, what what, what are your pop culture highlights? Oh, well, we're this, talking about this is popular so, <laughs> culture nowadays, my But that's friend. what I'm saying. Like, I think because they're so politics and mental health and whatever. I mean, I think I know like, you know, the Ted Bundy doc was huge on Netflix. I think that we finally have tapped into what really peaks people's interests. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows to a bigger point of people our age, whether you're, you know, millennials or Gen Z or whatever, are trying to understand 
all of these factors because well, we are the generations that are going to you know be pushing it's about forward. Time because there's two things that are major stigmas in America that we never talk about that every single person goes through, and that's mental health and sex. Actually, three: death. We don't talk about death. We all die. We all got here because two people decided to have sex, right? Mm-hmm. And every I can't argue person, that. <laughs> that it's un- those are two unarguable things. And the right. third one is that every single person at some point in their life is depressed for one reason or another. Right. Or even if there isn't a reason. Right. And those are the three biggest stigmas in this world. Yep. And it, it just baffles me because it... it we they should be talked about, and I think the world would be a better place. I think if they, they weren't. I like think that. they need to be talked about. I think they they need to be brought to attention by people like us who who are into it and are and have our interest peaked by it. But at the end of the day, man, we're doing a sports podcast. We're talking about pop culture. We need the people in this world, in this you know society of ours, who are in in powerful positions to make decisions on mental health and treat it like it's a real I agree healthcare you, problem at the to same address time those at the same time as many people as we listen we have a voice and it's just time to use it you no, know what i mean i totally agree i'm just saying that as great as our voice is there's not a lot we can do about it but there's a lot that other people can and they need to be prioritized on a lighter note one more thing before we go we're talking about pop culture. I saw the previews for it. I, I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm going to guess in December probably because that's when big movies come out if they don't come out in the summer. How pumped you for The Irishman? Oh, dude, I can't wait. And supposedly it's going to be like a super quick movie release and then it's going to go on to, I think, Netflix. Yeah, I heard that. Where it's I, also see, I also want to see the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker and it's giving the Joker yeah. a backstory. I don't think you or I are big into um, superhero movies. No, comic books I have no interest in, but the Dark Knight series. Dark I mean, Knight's amazing. That That is so good. And I think the Joker as a character is so interesting. And part of me hates that they're giving him a backstory because I think that's what brought his aura and mystique and his craziness really to such a such a forefront because it left so much up to interpretation but joaquin phoenix stepping in i think that's phenomenal and then yeah the irishman it's those are the only two other movies that i really want to see this year absolutely unless they do like a remix of um what the fuck was that movie with seth rogan where they were food that was sausage party. That <laughs> shit was crazy. crazy. I'm going to have to see that That one shit too. was crazy. All right. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. I know we kind of went off the deep end there, but hey, listen, it's the summertime. We have to. Um, we'll be back on Friday with our QB tier rankings. And yes. And we'll be back at some point next week for a rundown. Still called the Monday rundown, even if it's not on a Monday. Yep. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Shoot us an email and or a DM, sorry sports at yahoo.com or DM any of those other platforms. And as always, check out the website and have a good rest of your night. Take care, guys.